2024 a new year welcome to the truth this is your host kevin mclemore uh, this show is talking with wit kevin and son and um uh, we're going to do a deep dive into uh the current evolution of music and examine uh, the conversation that we've had once before about clean rap and the culture that's created and the revolution of rap itself when i say dig in and dig out you know, our stories will be headed by one of my good friends, Aaron Eubanks. He is the VP of an AR Contra Records uh, Worldwide. Um, he is one of the main players that examines our culture and the creation of rap, gangster. And we're going to look through and maybe have some conversations about Biggie, Tupac, Snoop Dogg, uh, the movie that came out straight out of Compton uh, with Ice-T, you know, um, I want to talk about this lifestyle that we we live in about rap. So, but before I go on, let me kind of set up the mindset of most of uh, the people. Rap and gangster rap has been currently accused of promoting disorderly contact, glorifying criminality, glorifying assaults on women, glorifying homicides, drug dealing, misogynistic behavior, promiscuity, and materialism. Rap music and its lyrics, often explicit, is designed in graphic images when it's showed on video of violence, sex, drugs, and you name it. Most people associate this um, lifestyle with crime and drugs, while rock and roll today is promoted. You've heard the, the, the saying, sex, drug, and rock and roll, and no one even bats an eye when we talk about the lifestyle where that's uh, concerned. So where's the, the divide here? and our music. We're going to really do a deep dive into the train that's actually driving the message in our music. So here's the answers to all your questions. It's by uh, one of the top record producers in the industry, Mr. Aaron Eubanks and my friend, Contra Worldwide Records. So Aaron, how you doing? Welcome back in 2024. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Yeah, um, yeah. I am so happy to um, to have you back. This was a conversation that uh, was originally created, you know, when I had Malik Hawkins on when he was beginning his rap career and stated that he was a clean rapper. And the conversation says basically, so every other rapper must be a bad rapper. And, you know, going back to that conversation you and I had, I said, well, some points you missed the message in his music. The message in his music, the reason why he was calls himself a clean rapper because his parents, both mom and dad, when they started to listen to the lyrics that he was sp uh, spitting out in his house, said it was not acceptable. If you're going to do something, she said, Mrs. Hawkins said, do something that's meaningful, that's going to change the world, that's going to bring people up and not destroy them. Mm -hmm. And so he has made his career. He has graduated from one of um, our country's historically black colleges. He was one of the top recruits with almost $2 million in scholarship money. And he decided to go to, I think it's um, South Carolina, uh, A&T, something like that. I'm not for sure of the school, but he went to a historically black college. And Shout so, meet, man. yep. So, and he's doing well right now. Mm -hmm. He is working with a NBA team and uh, marketing, but he's still doing his music. He's still acting. He's Good. still the voiceover for many toys, but right now, all right. There's been a lot that's going on in the hip hop world. We we have some of our biggest stars that are now um, behind bars. We have some of our biggest stars and people we looked up that's now being accused of 
um, I, I would say things that are not that are in question as far as humanity and the way that we treat people. And the stories keep coming over and over again. But we also have the industry that's turning a blind eye or maybe turning their back on rap music altogether. And so this is a conversation you and I um, want to have. So I want in the story. What's going on with, with music today? Yeah, well, first off, Kevin, again, thank you for having me back on. Um, there's a there, there's a lot of things that that are interesting to 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 start off with. Um, some some people may have heard about the decline in um, rap music as a whole. Uh, at the I think beginning of Q4 last year, they mentioned that rap music had a 40 percent decrease in terms of sales, revenue, things like that. Uh, there's also the discussion that that's ongoing about the, uh, the the this is more so on the industry side, but the budgets that accompany a lot of the new music or even existing music that comes out that is labeled as, let's say, rap music. Uh, those budgets or the amount that labels are investing into these types of acts or projects has decreased. So we start to look at is the value leaving the music? Is is um are you know where where do things go from from this point on? If in fact those things are true and are substantial uh, to the growth of the genre and the culture. Um, I think what's going to interest a lot of people today is, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth with, um, with, with, you know, understanding why some of these things have been pushed out, as well as um, why I, I, I agree, which might surprise a lot of people, why I agree with, with what happened, you know, over the course of the last two or three years. Um, so it, it, it really depends on where you want to, where you want to, you know, sort of pick it up at, right? Um, well, this is where I want to pick it up. And I, and I said this to you, you before, because I personally feel a certain type of way. It's like one, I hate the N word being used in music. I don't think anyone knowing their history, like I said, my mother was very involved, um, in the civil rights, um, march with Doc, Dr. King. And the N-word was not a, an, a term of endearment. It was not a word that we should have taken ownership with. So this is personal. I don't represent any other group other than myself. I hate the N-word. And I will not listen to a song or entertain a social conversation where someone addresses, addresses anyone else um, by, by that word. But we perpetuate that in rap music and saying that we are taking ownership of something that's basically an emotional and a physical attack, not only on our heritage, but the uh, individual of any person melanated. And we seem to, because of rap music, we seem to embrace it. But also know that the industry is not driven by its talent. The same way the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball is uh, driven by whoever's at the top writing the paychecks. Although there, there's many people that are writing big checks or whatever, the wealth is, comes from the industry. Is the industry itself perpetuating a stereotype for profit in your your eyes? So so let's let's yeah let's let's stop right there. So there's a responsibility, of course, that exists from the top down. That's been brought to the forefront 
but probably over the last six months. Because what it, it, what you have is a lot of young artists now that are um, losing, of course, like, you know, losing their freedom, losing their life. Uh, and the ones that benefit in the end come into question would be, as you pointed out, those that are signing the checks, those that are putting less, you know, the fuel in the tank, if you will, in order for that vehicle to exist. And that vehicle can be comprised of, of a lot of things, the N-word being one of them, uh, the way um, the, the way we, we see our young women being positioned and marketed for big dollars, okay? Um, however, this is where it gets interesting. However, there's also the, the driving force that there is an underlying part to this that public demand also plays a, a major role in what you see, right? It's it's a, it becomes almost a repeatable formula. For example, uh, if you have an act, an artist, or whatever that has a lot of success with we'll we'll keep it basic, right? With music that is sort of peppered with the N word or image images or or lyrics that uh, might be a little bit misogynistic or uh, degrading in this in in a way to to your female counterparts, right? Before it gets to that that top tier. So in other words, before it gets to the the, the record executive that's sitting on top with that has access to resources in a million dollars, from a ground level, it's it's almost provided some sort of proof of concept, meaning there's 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 unfortunately a demographic that exists that this has that that has supported this that has made it you know what it's become now here's the interesting part i used to feel like i would throw this all on the record labels right especially you know it's almost like shoot myself in the foot because that's the world i come from and it's be and it's like man you know have we created you know this because one day you look up right it's like you're you're you you know, uh, you know, five years ago, you start seeing a shift and a change in the music, what you're hearing, what you know, what you absorb. Um, again, things like the N word have always been around for you know for a while, and 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 let's say in black culture and in black music, um, it's it's been it's 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 been exploited in um, rap music, gangster rap. There's not one. There's not one. R&B song. There's not one Barry White, Luther Vandross, um, Temptations, Spinners, um, uh, Harold Mel Blue Notes, um, The Supremes, Gladys Knight, whatever. Mm -hmm. There's not one song. And as successful as everything that came out of Motown has been, there has not been one song that has hit the top 10 charts, the top 100 charts, the top 1,000 charts that had the N-word in it. Not so one let, song. Let's discuss. <laughs> no, let, wait, wait a minute. Let, let me finish the point because anytime you okay. say, however, you're excusing the fact that someone in the record industry is not taking accountability for it. Because I, I will tell you that in the event that one rapper 
No matter, pick the most successful rapper out there. If he said anything disparaging about any Jewish person, because we know where the in industry runs, he will no longer be, or she will no longer be recording a record. So someone is driving the train behind the message in the music. You know, the, the, the same way there's a formula for films, that's the reason why we keep paying nickels and dimes to see the same project in, in different ways, but it's the same formula. We're doing it to the music. You said it yourself. In the event that you've got an artist that finds a lane that they're successful with, you do like anything else. You keep digging until there's no more profit in there, and then you dig someplace else. And that's the way it is. We are training our consumer to think less of themselves, to feel less about themselves, and training our consumer. And we're dehumanizing them to say this is how you need to react uh, in the public, and this is how women should carry themselves in the public, and this is how men should um uh, carry themselves in the public. And this is how we should uh, respond to the injustice that we have in our system. And we're promoting the injustice because of our behavior. Because when you show up with a rapper with a gun and he's going through and he's beating up someone or whatever the case may be, you're perpetuating a stereotype that destroys the whole foundation of what family community is all about. So I'm, I'm going go to I'm going to defend my fellow artists to some degree, right? Because I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't want to categorize or box everyone into, you know, like, like that's what all rappers do, right? And I don't want to do that either because I like right. rap, some rap music. Right? No, no, I get it, I get it. What you see in terms of mainstream, right? Is you, of course, you see more of that, right? Because this one, one thing that that I argue is that. The art in which we, if you go back, I don't know, into the 90s, right, which we sometimes refer to as the golden era of, of hip hop, if you will, right? The art has been devalued. I will say that, right? I, and I hope I don't get in trouble for this when my, when my colleagues see this, but um, it, it's, uh, and it's up to people like myself to, to, to change that, right? But it's not, it's like, Kevin, it's like a cruise ship, right? Versus a speedboat. And a cruise ship, if you try to turn a cruise ship, you just can't turn it on a dime, right? You just can't, you know, like, like a speedboat or, or something smaller, you could just whoop and it goes that way or whatever way you want it to go, right? You try to turn this cruise ship, it's going to take you a while to make that transition. Yeah. That's where we are now within music. I feel as though there's this, there's the, a shift trying to be, you know, we're, we're trying to turn this, this big, we're trying to sort of take away the fact that, okay, this is what needs to happen in order to be successful. Because what was given to us, right, on a lot of levels was that in order to be successful, the net, and, and again, this, we'll, we'll dive more into this. We what what and, and this is even with outside of music, right? But if we're keeping it within the realm of 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 what you see in rap, gangster rap introduced us to two things that I think were very instrumental to not just the music but to the culture. Right? I'm going to agree with you, a hundred percent. Okay, I think I think we needed. And just hear me out. I think we needed the 
the the the vulgarity, if you will. We needed the the we needed the, the truth. We right. We we needed at that time, right? NWA comes along, right? One of the first hip hop groups, if you will, that was you know noted as being you know gangster rappers, right? Um, when you go back and you listen to the music, right? They they weren't necessarily what I would say polluting music. They were introducing an, an ingredient into music and into and even into pop culture, right? Because those that those that were on the other side, right? It didn't necessarily come from where I come from or you come from or look like us or whatever. That was their first real glimpse into our world, right? We 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 were NWA and amongst others, but I'm just using them as an example. It was instrumental because for the first time, someone who did not come from where we came from or understood some of the things that we were that were that we were going through in our neighborhoods, and just like in that song we listened to prior to this this uh, podcast yeah, started. We're going to talk about that. Right. It's something that LL Cool J touched on, right? I wish you could see what it's like coming from the hood. That's what, what That was one of the verses, the words he mentioned in his verse. So along comes this, this group NWA that is given this platform. And I would say there were, there were times of like going back on it, thinking back, they misuse their voice sometimes, and then sometimes they hit it right on the nose, right? So we're introduced now to these to to a different way of communicating with the general public, and we introduce uh, we, we're being introduced to songs like you know "F the Police," right? Which mm -hmm. which at the time was like, you know, man, it was groundbreaking because it was somebody saying what we finally want to say, right? And not only that, it's penetrating the, the the immediate audience, the core fan base, young black people that come from that environment, but it's reaching the suburbs of America. And it's for you know, good, bad, or indifferent, it has it it's opening up the conversation, it's creating the conversation, right? So these songs and this way of life suddenly became ways to integrate our our struggles sometimes or, or the things that we were going through the trials and tribulations into the mainstream conversation so i love the fact that that was sort of what we as 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 hip-hop heads as we call ourselves or historians or you know followers of the culture that was our first like okay here we are. Now, going back to what you were referring to, the usage of, you know, I think I think along like it's like the saying, you know, with great success comes great responsibility. Correct. And I think at some point, this is my only knock on my brothers from NWA is that at some point, I think it became more than what you know it became more than than the cause it be it became like you know the the success came you go to an nwa show around that time you see nothing but white kids 
right? What an opportunity to speak to them in a way that, you know, that, that reaches them, you know, whether it's through the positive message or something that's a little bit more direct. And we, we, we sort of missed that opportunity because what happens is the money started coming in this, the success started coming in, you know, these, these guys were now very successful, you know, the movies and this and that, but from that, we got great cinema, right? We got boys in the hood. We got menace to society, right? Which is just a spinoff of what was happening along the lines of what we were hearing musically. I agree. Right? So what if we fast forward, the real irresponsibility of the culture sets in when we start allowing the 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 dollar. See, and I, I want to say, let me just stop myself. I want to say one thing before I go into that. There was a time, right, where a good friend of mine said this to me a long time ago, and I I, I still it still sticks with me, where our music, where hip hop culture was was it was exclusive. You know, like like you just couldn't no not anyone could just get in. Not only that, it was unknown whether or not this is something that would actually work. There was no real big success story that said, aha, I can be a millionaire doing this. I could be, you know, I can change my life doing this. It was passion driven. And certain people and certain things were kept out on purpose, right? In comes a lot of this is, you know, again, this is going back, but you have certain executives that entered the music business, certain um, certain individuals that had influence, they had money, right? And they came from somewhere different and they found the, the, the pawns, if you will, in order to place in the game to offset things. Suddenly right. it wasn't this this sort of exclusivity. It wasn't like now you had all sorts of it started to look and feel different around the the, the mid 90s, right? Um and and the the genre was proven to be so powerful that it could drive narratives. It could, you know, if you inserted certain things in it, the triple the trickle down effect could reach the lowest common denominator and obstruct their way of thinking. So it became weaponized to the point where if you fast forward to a 2024, you almost don't recognize it. And you that's why I said you get up some days, you say, man, how did how did we get here? Right? I had no problem, Kevin, when I first heard the N-word used right in a song. Now I was young. <laughs> too young to probably be listening to it but as i got older i had i i was i was less concerned with what i heard but more concerned with the effect now what did start to bother me is what you sort of pointed out is when it became somewhat commercialized and others who weren't in the culture felt as though that they can use that word or they can act along with what they saw, which, which exactly really, right. 
which really bugged me out because yeah. I said that that was the first sort of like red flag that said, OK, something's different about this now because, you know, hip hop is global. Right. Yep. I was watching. Um, I saw something online. Group of Asian kids all the way in. I, I, they might have been in China or, you know, somewhere like that. Right. Um, but but they 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 were doing like this whole, you know, rap ensemble. Right. In their own language. I thought it was dope. Yeah. But it was like a complete. It, it was like they just completely ripped off what they saw us doing. And the interesting thing is I always say like, yo. Everyone love everyone loves this to some degree, but no one loves having to be what this is when the song is over with. And see, and the, and that's what what um, I, I I'm going to spin off because I don't want anyone to think that I'm against uh, gangster rap or rap itself. You mm -hmm. said it, it itself; it originated because of message throughout our history, our music, even with our hairdo. It was a yeah. message. No one understood that cornrows was a map because we couldn't actually draw yeah. on paper, weren't allowed to read or write or whatever. So I totally agree with it. I am not against anyone making uh, a profit off of their, their, their efforts. I'm not uh, uh, agreeing, but I do think that with each and every last one of us, that we get to a certain point that we're successful. We have a responsibility not only to our community, but to the culture that we're building with whatever product that we're, we're we have created so when i when i say that the the message has gotten lost with the music is that this is the same way with me writing i you know my last publisher that i, I went through before i started my own label mm -hmm. i went to four different editors because they were kept trying to get me to write a book that wasn't the book that i actually written until the last person says i want you to read this book and make your book like this one they wanted a formula driven book and what happens is, it's like any any other industry, instead of being creative people and leading the way, we were active people and says, oh my gosh, and just released a um, a new beat and whatever, we need to find an artist that sounds like this artist, we need to have a sound that sounds like this. But where I'm going with this, and the reason why I asked you to listen to this one song, is because I asked a question when I spoke at Martin Luther King Day, and we're celebrating today um, the birth of Martin Luther King. He was born January um, 15, 2019, 29. We're celebrating his birthday today. When I gave, when I was asked to do the speech, my question was, is his dream still alive? I know without his dream, I would not be in the position where I'm at right now, but I had to go through a lot of stuff. You had to go through a lot of stuff to get to the position you were in. There are still obstacles that are placed in front of every single melanated person or minority in this country that are obstacles that are placed in our way in order for us to have success that should be obstacles. Provide an opportunity. And with music, because I now I know, you know, Cat Williams, he's one of my homeboys from Dayton, Ohio. He's getting a lot of crap for doing what? Telling the truth. And when he spoke about the industry of, of, of rap, he was telling the truth. And most people are calling the truth a lie. And I've learned one thing from my grandfather. He says, you tell a big enough uh, lie to the right people, and they tell it often enough, the lie becomes the truth. And that's what has happened to, this is my take, that is what's happening to uh, the rap music um, of today. We have lost what the music was about and the message in the music, and strictly because of um, 
capitalism, put it out, make as much money as possible, move on to the next orders. We're not developing. Your company, I know you personally, because you've even talked to my uh, my granddaughter, you take it personal. You develop an artist. It takes years in order to develop an, uh, a talent. I have the utmost respect for you. And the fact that you're, you're seeing a shift in the industry, we're going back to music. Even though it's rap, we're going back to good music. And how I know this is you look at the fact when Willie Nelson and Snoop Dogg create a, a record called Superman, and it's on the charts, it works. When Taylor Swift partners up with a rapper and she's now doing country music and rap and it's got a soulful beat, it goes through. And just like the record that I showed you today, which I think everyone should listen to at least twice, it's got a great beat, but listen to the words. It's called Accidental Races by um, Brad Paisley. Listen to the words. Listen to it all the way through because it shows big, big signs, both sides of the coin, as far as what our country has done. And it talks about the, the truth. But he also talks about, you know, don't hold me hostage for 160 years because I'm not that person. You know, you should be proud of your hair. But you should also be responsible for the heritage you move forward on. And so and that's one of the reasons why we're having this thing. But why is country music? And I am telling you the way it feels right now, because a lot of people, if you look at the fact that you look at all these concerts that have multiple artists, country music is now doing, you know, these tours throughout the country and they have hundreds of thousands of people attending. This has become the new concert venue. Take off for a week, go visit, whatever. But they have both the the culture itself looks like Dr. King when he spoke on Washington D.C. They have everyone mm -hmm. in there listening to the music because mm -hmm. now has a message. How how does rap today, our commercial rap, become music instead of being commercial rap? How does that happen in your industry? Let's talk about Contra Records. What are you guys responsible for? So. At Contra, one of the biggest things that we, we all come from an era um, where artist development was a major factor. And what for those that may not understand that, what, what artist development is, but before you um when, when an artist would get signed or, or brought on to a uh, to a record label, the the label as a team, uh was responsible for developing that artist. Everything from, you know, media coaching to imagery to, you know, just the, the, the quality of the music, if whatever went out was on brand with the, the label's core competency or things like that, right? Going back to the days of uh, Motown where um, Barry Gordy had what was called uh, quality control unit that, Literally, you know, that's what they did. Like the, the the artist spent about six months to a year learning how to speak correctly, how to, you know, conduct themselves in the interview, making sure their look was right. You know, it, it was a it was a, a process. It was a development, artist development. It was building a brand. It was building a brand. It was building an act, right? What happened is around the mid 90s i guess somewhere around there the artist development the, the, the those that were responsible within the record companies were taken out right they literally 
got rid of the the whole department. It was like, you know, an artist development department or person. Um, they started to slice these budgets. Primarily because at that time, music was facing its own challenges with things like piracy entering, where, you know, suddenly, you know, the, the every all, all types of things were happening in terms of the amount of, you know, yeah, money that was being made. So labels couldn't necessarily afford to keep, you know, a whole staff on board to help develop artists. Then a new business model set in where the artists that were were available were were you know the ones that were out there. They were starting to take on more responsibility them, themselves. So the tools that came along allowed them to sort of get themselves out the door without there being any sort of team around them, and it it became the wild wild west. So what we are doing at Contra, we work with artists and we develop them. We we take about a year, you know, roughly nine months to a year. Uh, we have a whole staff that we put around a particular act and um, we do a lot of testing and getting things to the point where we are ready to what's called upstream the artist to a bigger system, right? In our case, we have relationships with Sony, so we have a, a, a partner label over there, Epic Records, where we get those artists, they stick with us for, you know, whatever it is about, again, nine months to a year. And then we get them ready to go to the, to if you will, it's like going from the little leagues to the big leagues. So by the time you get to the big leagues, because they're not going to spend the time to develop artists like we are. They're just there to push you out the door and make some money. You know, I shouldn't make it sound like that, but that that's kind of what it becomes. So we go back to the days and, and a lot of other companies um, are, are starting to do the same, you know, spend a lot more time, especially when you have something that you, you think is really good, that's really special. Uh, not everything is ready to go when it's 17, 18 years old. You know, you got to put, you know, time into it. I'm in money. Definitely the money side, right? So the, the the challenge is always though, Kevin, that this because of technology, things just move quick, right? And um, you know, I, I I hate to say I don't I don't think, at least not in my lifetime, I don't think that you'll either have you'll you'll have a healthy dose of one or the other, right? I think. You know, it's like you're either going to be a slow moving organization that believes in. But one thing, let me let me I want to retract something, too, because the one thing that uh, investors and organiz organizers and, and a lot of people starting to discover, though, is that. The staying power, the ability to affect long term comes from the artists and the and the the executives that were around them that develop them slowly, those are the artists that stay around longer. I'll give you an example. Going back, there was a time in the music business, if you go back to in the early 80s, right, even late 70s, everyone knows Prince, right? right? Uh, before Prince's big hit, Purple Rain, right, before that, that album and record came out, there was a time where labels believed then you know, sort of what we would call today, like 
throwaway records and throwaway albums, meaning I'm going to take, you know, one to three albums to, to sort of warm that artist up, to sort of get the artist ready for what, you know, hopefully is a long, sustainable career. It wasn't this quickly, you have to have the, you know, the best song right away and we got to put you out right now. And, you know, it's all got to happen right now. There was a time where our superstars, if you look at it, I should say our megastars, the ones that affected, were, were effective and changed music for forever, whether, no matter the genre, it could be, you know, R&B. George Michael did it. George, there you go, George Michael too. Right. So the thing is, we know that these things have affected um, the landscape of music in the past. Like, this is how we birthed probably 90% of the superstars, right? The megastars that have been around forever. So why aren't we going back to that? That's the conversation I have from time to time with other labels and record execs, right? Because what's happened is it, it's been, you know, it, it's sort of been uh, uh, watered down with, you know, all this technology and, oh, you know, it's it's vanity. It's, you know. All these things that, listen, it never mattered before, right? It's sort of like a, a, a good ball player, right? A basketball player, you know, um, you know, whoever you want to say, you know, Michael Jordan, Steph Curry, whoever. These guys just put the work in. There, there was no real, there was, you know, you got data and it does this and he's going to do that. And, you know, we got all this fancy equipment. And no, it was just, you know, it was just long-term right, you know, individuals around that individual that helped them to craft their game or helped, in this case, someone like a prince craft the vision. A big thing, though, a big thing was the Black executive. And the biggest thing about our conversation today, Kevin, is, is we, if they, if, if they allowed us to have more power, right? The responsible ones, and they know who we are. They know the ones that they could put in place that would treat this like it should be treated, right? They also know the ones that, hey, if I give him half a million dollars, right, he's going to go out and act like a fool. And that's what we need, right? Because we don't care. I'm not saying that's what we need. That's what they need. Because we don't necessarily care about the culture. We just care about what it brings in, the money, right? We need more people. If you talk to our good friend, Heather, right, she'll tell you, right? What, what, what's needed is the existence of more Black executives that can slow the game down and say, you know what? Nope, we're not doing that no more, right? When they took us out of it, and they did, they took a lot of us out of it. Right. And they put in people didn't come from this. I and I, I don't want to again, I don't want to offend any of my colleagues. I'm not going to name names, but I like some of them, I know what it like they didn't come from this. Right. They were placed there. Right. So when you have that, they, they don't safeguard anything the way we would. They don't safeguard say, well, no, no, we're not saying the N-word. No, no, we're not going to do that to our women. No, no, we're not going to do that to our men. You know, da-da-da-da-da. 
it's it's these individuals going back to what I first talked about how exclusivity played a factor. It, it, it was it, it you know those individuals that yeah. came in, and it and and we we do understand, and I I personally I empathize with um, talent. Because a lot of times when you're looking at a lifestyle and a career that you dream about and it's all of a sudden presented to you, yes. it's real easy to compromise your values. Because some of us say, when I get to the point that I have power, just like Prince did, he's taken back the power. You know, mm -hmm. Prince, Prince, George Michael, and many other I icons. I wish there was Michael more J of that. Yeah, Can I they, say something they, they, real quick, Kevin? Yeah, go I ahead. Just, just to jump in. That I would not mind, right, if an artist... And it, this is touchy, you know. I, I told it, this. This is like. Well, that's why I said, let me say it. Well, no, no, I want to say it. I want to say okay. it because I wouldn't. I don't mind if you, as an artist, or or you have the ability to, when you get to that peak, right, that you do similar to what a prince or someone. If you got to that peak, if you got there, right, by saying the N word a million times, right. I may not agree with the path you took, but when you get on that stage, when you get to that point that now I have all the eyes and ears looking at me, right? I have the ability to change. I have the ability. You getting there and continuing to do the same thing that got you there to me is misuse of power. Like, yeah, and you and and you do and you do know, you do know why people do that. It's because now once they have the power. They're afraid of losing the power if they come out and, and beat us with the Damn general bro. population. If my crowd has the mentality that dancing to the N-word or dancing to explicit videos that perpetuate a bad relationship between a man and a woman, it mm -hmm. brings down my community instead of bringing it up, provides right. a profit. Because little do they know. I mean, I, I introduce you to a young rapper that's got plenty of talent. He lives over in the suburbs, but everything is talked about the streets. He don't know nothing about the streets. There you go. He knows nothing right. about the streets. He goes out and he buys a uh, plastic gun that looks like a semi-automatic, and he gets out of a rental car, and he's per perpetuating. You know, we talked about it. I personally said, I'll back. Someone told him that that was what was going to make You're exactly successful. right. And, he, and, if and he's, you, he's if got a small. Someone, yeah, yep. if, if you had someone, again. Your team is important, as we might say. Your OGs are important because if you have, so I, I deal with a, a hundred kids like that, Kevin, and I and, yep. and they don't. And come that's and that's the reason why I have you on here, uh, real quick. Yeah. Um, Aaron, the reason why I have you on here because uh, much respected, uh, much respected. I know what you do for your artists. You're an exception to the rule. You're a gift. You develop your talent, and. For, for people out there that are trying to understand this game and they jump right into it and they realize the game will destroy them and until they understand how to play the game. And a lot mm -hmm. of times it's too late. They get strung out on drugs or a lifestyle they can't commit. We just lost a good friend a couple months ago because as soon as his number came up and his dream came true, the game caught up with him mm -hmm. because he didn't understand how to play the game. And he may he rest in peace. I don't need to mention his name. We, we're going to yeah. miss him. Mm -hmm. But how do people get in touch with you? Yeah, I am. Uh, I like to make myself pretty accessible. So, on um, Instagram, depending on you know who you are, if you are someone that's on Instagram a lot, uh, my 
uh, Instagram handle is, uh, I have two, but I'll give you the one for the, the company, which is where I'm at a lot. At Contra Worldwide Recordings. So it's on Instagram. It's at Contra Worldwide Recordings. Uh, also, you can... Um, you know, find me on Facebook as well, just underneath my name, Aaron Eubanks. That's, you know, I'm I'm always in between one of those two places. Uh, or you can visit our website as well. And if you, you know, you can always leave, uh, send an email. That's easy as well. It's ContraWorldwide.com. So that's how you get in touch with me. And I try to respond back to, you know, anyone that reaches out, I'm, I'm not like a like a Hollywood type of executive, like I'm a real person. And, you know, I will, you know, if you want to got ideas or, you know, music wise. Yes, absolutely. I do. Kevin want to I, I have a new project. I, I just want to sort of introduce it. It's something that is amazing <clears throat> that, I, that I hope people support and get behind. Um, I'm working with a uh, young brother out of D.C. by the name of Drew Starr. Um, he has something called the high school cipher. What this is, is uh, with within the DMV area, we go and, and, and we uh, interact with the kids and have these high schoolers uh, create music and content that is uh, positive. Uh, and, and we use normal social channels to do so. We have a uh, project that we are releasing the top of this year, probably sometime in March. It's called Guns Down. Uh, it is a um, it is a, a song and a whole content piece about, uh, of course, how it sounds. You know, uh, kids putting down guns, picking up other things that are more positive, ways to affect the community. One thing that I mentioned to you, Kevin, was I'm also proud of what I'm seeing from uh, Generation Z, the Gen Zers, who, for the most part, I mean, they're the youngest right now of the, you know, of, of the, the hip hop culture. But um, I like the fact that not all of them, right? We still like it's it's still a challenge, but they're more of, you know, we we see these, you know, like I came from the millennial stage, you know, and they put technology in our hands and, and we we just went wild with it, you know. Um, we we had no idea, but we we were you know we were born in we weren't necessarily born into it, but we were it was given to us at a time where we had enough sense to say, oh wow, this is what you can do, and we created things. And Generation X, and not to talk bad about them, but I think they had the full power of technology, and they 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 had all the technology at their fingertips. They had the information at their fingertips, but they didn't have the guidance because it was they were born into it. They were given it was given to them since since they were gay, you know, small. So, since they were able to stand up and punch a button and learn exactly. um, what the keys were on there. And little do, do we know this generation now doesn't even realize they've been programmed and branded as consumers right. for the rest of their life just because of that technology. Your generation understood the power of the technology. The, this generation is re is sowing the benefits of the power of the um the industry think, and it's only going to be 10 percent of those that are going to turn that around and grab some of that power everyone else is going to be used by the by the technology and i, I mean, think with gen that's where i was going because i think with 
the, the next generation. Now, I work a lot with Gen Z. These kids are 13, 14, you know, in that space. And they, they have a different outlook on the technology and their place within society than the generation before them. Um, and they almost understand that they're more savvy and they understand when they're being some of them, the, the savvy ones understand when, when, when they get where the power comes from, they get like, Oh, wait, 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 we're, we didn't okay that you you just can't push us into this direction and kudos to them because I know our generation, we, we, we kind of fell for it, you know, and the generation after them, you know, after, you know, Generation X fell for it completely. Not to their fault, but, you know, it was something so brand new. So when, I, when I'm working with these kids and we're doing these, these you know, uh, positive impact projects, as we, as we call them, uh, they understand the power of their voice and their voice doesn't have to be attached to channel to a, a a big money driver, you know, they they push away from, you know, big corporate getting involved and they push away from, you know, those who are not like them coming on board and, you know, you know, with the fancy suits and saying, hey, you know, we could do something big here. Um, and we're trying to teach that. We're trying to teach like, you know, that's when I said the change that happens with the cruise ship, you know, you kind of throwing away these last few generations saying, okay, we got to work on, on this one. Like each one, teach one. Reach and one, teach one. Reach one, teach one, each one, teach one. I like both of them, Kevin. But <laughs> so, so that, so look out for that, Kevin. I'll be sending. In fact, we have some content available. If you go to high school cipher on, if you just look it up on Instagram, you'll see these kids doing some remarkable positive things. I'm bringing that up here. To, uh, we launched it in D.C., but I'm going to start bringing it up to um, to this area, you know, Delaware Valley. Um, we're getting involved with the school systems. Uh, you know, we're starting within the schools. And what we're trying to show these kids is that you can, as you talked about with the one kid, you don't got to hop out the car with the gun and, you know, take pictures. Yeah. and You know, you ain't got to do that. You know, you can be a star in this game doing the opposite. You can't be, you know, away from that and still have success. Now, Aaron, let me ask you a question. I, yeah. Because I know all of my friends that are movie directors, casting agents, actors, and people like you that are producers, that um, uh, I never do this and uh, never pitch an idea. But I, 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 I say this, I work with a lot of, um, what do they call them, underserved kids? That is now, it used to be when yeah. I was growing up, they were poor kids. They were poor kids in our community. Now they call them underserved. It's a new branding. Yeah. Um, so not to make you feel so bad. But do you remember the days that high schools used to have talent shows? Oh, yes. Battle of I the Bands, remember that? Think. Mm -hmm. I want you to think about this big picture, all right? What if we traveled to all 50 states, went to every major high school, and we were there for two or three weeks, 30 days, or whatever the case may be, and we did a Battle of the band. The winners of the Battle of the Band would have one of those summertime concerts, bring them all together, and they would share in the wealth and recording new music and playing or whatever, bring hundreds of thousands of people for a week in order to see the up-and-coming talent via the Battle of the Bands. It's bigger than Star Search. It's bigger than The Voice. It provides an opportunity 
for those kids that are playing. I grew up with Ohio players in Lakeside, whatever, playing in the basements in the garage, to come out in center stage and provide an opportunity to become performers. You and your crew, because I know you've got c connections with people in the movie industry as well as in the music industry. Not only do you videotape and document the whole development of that, the same way the UFC has beginner fighters working to be a pro, mm -hmm. you, you will have a landing place for all these groups in every school because music and athletics and sports in our school system, because we're educating our kids just to be employees, the music educates people to be entrepreneurs. If we put that back into the school system, people that are creative, that are going places are not creating, committing crimes. They're, they're, they're not, hopefully they're not disruptive in the family household or in their communities. They're not challenging the police or authorities themselves, but they are challenging how far they can push their talent. What if you did that? I would, yeah, love, be, I would be love to be the MC of that show. I'm pitching my own idea. <laughs> no, hey, you know what i'll say this um i do i absolutely and this again again these are things that that uh, away from working with the big stars that that i'm pushing for that that also mean a lot to me because i think that there should absolutely be way more integration within the inner city and in, in the school systems i'll give you a quick example right there was a point in time where the, you know, I, I remember I had a lot of friends that I went to school with or grew up in New York. And I remember New York, especially in Queens, have some of the best after-school programs. That's where you learned how to play an instrument, how you where you learned to, to write music, read music, sing, whatever, right? When they took those things away, right, the talent became, it, it affected. You know, there were two places when I first started in this that because um, at one point in time, I did a lot of A&R, which is, you know, like finding talent. Um, the school systems you would look into in a black church. Right. You could always find a you could find a singer, someone that played the drums or guitar. Alicia Keys, black there church. Go, right. In the black church. It, it was a, it was. And, but they but but the school systems. Right. That would, as you said. Right. Again, we talk about development for a lot of kids. That's where you first picked up a, a, an instrument. And, and it was an after school program that was funded by the city. They took that away and you saw the effect of it. There's still a few places where you have these after school programs. But for the most part, that's why, you know, the music, again, it's 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 no surprise that it changed because you don't have kids to play instruments anymore. Right. Not as many, you know, not as many as you did yeah. because you, you you had a, a place you could go and learn. So I think that's a great idea. I, I think that it it creates the, the, the conversation uh, platform for the schools and, and the communities in the city to start to, you know, fund back into these because, you know, to, to rebuild those types of programs and organizations. Philadelphia um, was another one. I mean, you know, when I went to school and I went to school in Philadelphia, we had an after school program. And that's where my love for music, I could really express it. You know, you could just I remember we could just go into a class, into our after school setting sometimes and just we would just come in with our favorite records and just you play the music. And our music teacher would help us to sort of, you know, break down, you know, what we were hearing. And oh, it was great. So I think, yeah, I think it's a great idea. 
aside from yeah, just you know, the ability to have a, a, a battle of the bands and a showcase, but I think just getting get getting that back into the community, awesome. Awesome. So so with that said, you know, because we know Boys to Men came out of Philadelphia, out of the School of Performing Arts. Apple. Yep. Um, yep, believe it or not. So I I'm saying I'm going to call out to Sony Records which I know you're friends with. I'm going to call out to my uh, my Zeta sister, Fantasia. This should be something you should be get behind your Sigma brother. For anyone that's melanated, minority, whatever, in the business, let's put this together. Let's put this together and find out the best of the best in our neighborhoods. Keep, take someone off the street, take the guns out of someone's hand, put a drumstick, a guitar pick, or a mic in, 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 their, in, in their hands, put four or five people together with a dream, and live Martin Luther King's dream. All right, get out there and perform and to have someone such as yourself, Aaron, to be able to manage and direct their career and protect them to keep them out of harm's way, mm -hmm. help them get their wings and then find their voice on top of that. Love it. That's the reason why I have it on here. You know, my purpose was not to come out here and bash the music industry. My point was with everything else to do is to have a conversation that's uncomfortable to most, be made comfortable and be part of the change. You know, yeah. the nice thing yeah. about having you on here, because we talk intimately after the, uh, you know, before and after these these type of shows, is that nothing comes out of our conversation but the truth. And you mm -hmm. care so much and you're so passionate about your, your talent. You know, for, for those of, that want to invest in a record company, whatever, find someone like Aaron or find Aaron and say, financially, how can I be a part of this? Because the only way that we're going to be able to compete with yeah. Big Brother if someone puts us on the same level and provides us with the same opportunity um, as Big Brother, because you are doing more with less and you're not hurting anyone. You're, you're, you're elevating people. So, again, Aaron, how does someone get in touch with you and how do yeah, they promote just, the programs you do? What do you absolutely. need? Absolutely. Through through, um, through through email. Uh, again, my email is is uh, uh, my first initial, AUBanks, at Contra Worldwide. You can find me there. You can find me on Instagram at Contra Worldwide Recordings um, or just, you know, via Facebook, just Aaron Eubanks and, you know, I'll come up um, or they could just contact you as well and say, hey, put me on the phone with it. Not a problem. You know, we can always we can um, we can always do it that way. And as you said, Kevin, yeah, we, we you know, I, I really want to see I'm, I'm pushing for change, man. I'm trying to do my part um, with these conversations. We, we come because, as you can see, there's so many solutions, right? We don't got to be stuck in, in in what's been given to us. You know, we can we can change. We can take control, and we can change. And that's what I'm trying to do year by year, just make those little subtle changes. And I think we're getting somewhere. I think it's starting to pay off. And, and I I appreciate you you coming on. Um, two and a half years ago, I asked you this question. I want to see if your answer has changed because you know every day we're subject to change. I always ask my guests, all right, they're asked, A-S-K, if you had one dream or one wish, and some people have more, uh, what would that be? And the reason why I'm asking that, because I'm going into my third, the start of my third year, and before I really do anything, I'm happy in this business of um, media for five years before I really become someone that I can claim to be an influencer. Um, but I will say, when I say that the people that are in my circle, and you're one of those people in my circle, we don't draw my friends and I, we don't drive by an accident. We stop to help. We get involved. So all of my friends are high caliber call to action type of people. 
when I first said this, little did I know that my listeners were also high call to action people. I've had four people to this date that have answered the question I'm about to ask Mr. Eubanks as someone has granted them the dream. Most of us go throughout our whole life and not have one dream come true. And I have four people that total strangers have stepped up to the plate and helped and assist to make a dream come true. So with Aaron, take a little time to think about this. If you had one ask, what would it be? I love to know what my, what my answer was previously, but uh, I, I I could tell you all. I could tell you what what my one ask would be today, and and um, I I want I want to be clear about this. So the one ask that I would have is for someone to or, or a group of individuals wherever it might be, to jump on board the expansion train with me um, to, to help build, for, I, guess, I guess, further build out these ideas that, um, that we have in place, that I have in place for the betterment of, of society, of the world. Uh, Things that stretch from here to the continent of Africa, another place that I'm that I'm planting my flag and I'm working on right now. Um, but it it would just be you know just again the expansion. Let's let's think beyond you know where we are. Uh, if 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 there's like-minded individuals like that 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 have you know the ability or power or resources to help channel that, you know my ask would be let's talk. You know, let's talk. There's amazing things being done. Um, I mean, from I, I'm I'm I deal with people in Las Vegas in terms of real estate expansion, you know, uh entertainment, things like that. My expansion goals exist within, you know, the the future of, of how we see the world. You know, I, I would love to have that conversation with someone, I don't want to say the next Elon Musk, but Someone that that has a high level, you know, we're, that we're thinking up here, you know, um, um, ways that we can uh, improve on 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 the quality of life, the way of living, you know, it doesn't have to be about music, but just about you know, different 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 initiatives that are going to um, help us, you know, get along and live longer. All right. All right. So I, I'm going to expand on that and I'm going to be a little bit more du direct. Sure. Um, every small company, in order to be a big company, needs financial support. Um, there are a lot of a lot of irons in the fire. And the reason why the fire is not getting any hotter is because they've got to find some way to fuel that fire. So I'm going to say if you're one of those individuals that are in a position to help and you've liked what you've heard, you've impressed with 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 Aaron and the conversation you had, the one thing I can I think about Aaron is that he is the real deal and he's honest. Most people are afraid of the truth. All right. He will give you the truth. You know, I, I would say, you know, if you have seven digits you have in your budget in order to finance him for the next four or five years to allow some of these things, your return on investment will come back in twofold. 
And when I say twofold, not only would you return the investment uh, will turn into a profit as far as us living in the capitalistic uh, society, but you will be rewarded more. On the opposite side, when you see a young child, no matter what color their skin, their dream come true. You know, Mike Tyson said the one thing he learned from losing all of his money is that he found out what money was uh, designed for. Mm-hmm. It's a tool. It's to help other people. It's not to have all the, the shiny things, whatever. It's to help other people. And that's what he lives his life to do. If you are in that position and there are people that will throw more billions and millions, not billions, millions and thousands of dollars on betting on a UFC fight. All right. You know, I've seen uh, a rapper bet bet $40 million on a fight he had no control over. Bet $40 million on Aaron Eubank and Contra Records when you do have control of the outcome. Because there's going to be a child that an opportunity where they're not straight-A students, but they're a gifted talent, is going to change their life. And what better way in order to get a return on investment if they have someone thank you for get, providing a life for them that they would not have an opportunity for. Not everyone's a straight-A student, but there are people out there with a gift. So, Aaron, would you like to leave anything for our audience um, to take away from this interview? Uh, yeah, I will say, uh, first of all, again, Kevin, thank you for having me back on. This is always a great experience. i love to do it again. Um, for anyone out there who... Just going back to the talent now, musically, because you had me thinking, Kevin, anyone that has a, um, you know, when I was 14, 15, I wish I knew people like me. You know, I, 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 I you know, at one point in time, I was an artist and a producer and, and I just didn't have a me. I didn't have someone that had a wealth of knowledge or access to resources or people in situations that could help. If anyone out there is like that, you got some, you know, maybe your your child or a, a nephew or whoever, uh, I would love to, I'm always looking for new artists to work with. You know, Taylor Swift came from our area. You know, she's not too far, you know, probably like, a, you know, an hour or two away. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Taylor way back before she was what we see today. But I knew her her manager, who is still one of my mentors today, a gentleman by the name of Rick Barker. Um, and um, again, if there's anyone out there, I'm always looking for, for for talent, man. Always looking for that. So get in touch with me. Um, we can again. You guys know about me now. We can make some amazing things happen. And uh, and yeah, that's it, Kevin. So happy yep. MLK Day, everybody. Happy MLK. And everyone, um, thanks to Mr. Aaron Eubank. If you contact him on Facebook, you can reach out to him or you can go to www. um, I think I said four W's. It should be three. Contraworld.com. And that's how you can reach him. Um, We've covered a lot of information. I've called out a couple of friends um, in order to um, help with this cause. Um, I hope that um, the people that have listened to this uh, interview are not offended by the conversation. And if you are, I'm not going to apologize because if you're offended, you're part of the problem of this uh, institution and or this industry. If you are educated by this and you are impressed by this inf- information, then reach out to Mr. Aaron uh, Eubank, or you can also go to RMK Productions um, and network on our YouTube page, share this um, uh, interview with your friends and family, post it on your uh, social media. If you want to get in touch with us, go to um, 
info at rmkproductions.org. But um, Aaron and my guests and my listeners, I want to thank you. Thank you 1,000 times over. And I tell people, find 1,000 ways to be kind to someone. Um, I hope you come back. And um, if you have friends that want to talk about this, your talent that wants to come back, there's an open seat for you. And so, yeah, you know, maybe we'll do that next time. I'll, I'll bring some, bring some other highly opinionated people. On. All right, we'll, we'll have some, good. we'll have some fun. I, I think I could hold my own. And with that said, my grandfather, I'm going to always use this uh, tagline: "Is when you get to a point that you can help someone, it actually should be a place that you can help someone in your life." He said, "It is your duty to do so. Reach one, teach one." And with that said. We'll fade to black, and I'm out. Thank you, Mr. Aaron Eubanks. Thank you.